Hey there, everybody. Welcome back. This is Dan Trottencheck, and you're listening to the Taking Care of Business podcast. Um, as we roll into the fall months and we keep looking at how the industry and just about everything around us is changing, uh, one of the things that, that we keep hearing more and more about, and I think we are all experiencing this as part of our daily lives, is that more and more consumers today, myself and, and others close to me included, are looking to shop uh, for things just in different ways than they did before. You know, I've talked about this in the past, but uh, um, everything from how we get our food delivered to us to how we now get groceries delivered to us and just about everything else and and we're entering what we would call a world of lower contact commerce and uh, you know we often refer to this as contactless commerce but there are still a lot of things within this industry home improvement that are I'd say lower contact commerce where consumers are looking for options to interact with retailers in ways where they really can minimize the contact that they're having face to face and today we're going to talk to the folks from lucid works which is a company out there that kind of specializes in some of the technologies and some of the forward-looking things that allow retailers to engage in more of this limited contact commerce. We're going to talk to them about what they're seeing, what the trends are in uh, contactless commerce, and how retailers kind of of all sizes really need to think their way through. What does this mean for them? Uh, If today's customer is used to getting their groceries and ordering them online and picking them up, you know, curbside or having them delivered the house. How does that impact retail throughout the rest of the chain? So a uh, real interesting topic, really uh, timely and certainly reflective of, uh, of, of the vibe we're seeing from consumers. So hang in there for a few seconds from a quick word from our sponsor, and we'll be back to start this discussion about contactless commerce. Empower leaders in your organization with NHPA's Home Improvement Industry-Specific Training Courses for Managers. The deadline to enroll in the Leading Your Team course, part of NHPA's Foundations of Leadership program, is October 8th. This nine-week online course benefits both seasoned and developing managers, boosting their skills, knowledge, and confidence. For more information, visit yournhpa.org forward slash F-O-L to enroll or learn more. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the program. Uh, As I said in the intro, uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, less than uh, or lower contact commerce and and to some degree contactless commerce. And our guest for the program today is Garrett Schwegler. And Garrett is the program manager of digital commerce solutions with Lucidworks. Garrett, welcome to the program. Thanks, Dan. Happy to be here. Garrett, why, why don't you start by t- that? That's a, that your your title is is certainly a mouthful. Uh, why, why don't you tell us a little bit about kind of your background and maybe a little bit about Lucid Works and what you do for them? Yeah, absolutely. So over the last number of years, I, I really grew up with my experience in retail, and when omnichannel was quite the buzzword, uh, got my feet wet there, and then eventually uh, full-fledged into commerce. And so e-commerce has been my focus the last uh, five or six years. And I've been on the client side, I've done the consulting and on the software side. And so the the role at Lucidworks is trying to figure out what the customers are looking for 
uh, in a software package around e-commerce and what are the problems that we're trying to solve. And then essentially getting that into our product organization so that we can stay relevant and continue to innovate and differentiate. So you're really, I mean, your, your job every day is kind of looking what, uh, what re- how retailers and consumers are coming together in this e-commerce world. And, 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 and you know, in my intro, I was talking about something that, uh, you know, the trend that we've seen more of lately. And, and, you know, we call it contactless commerce, but in a lot of ways, it's, it's, it's lower contact commerce. So maybe you could start out by kind of helping us define when, when, we're, when we're talking about or our... Our, our members or people in the industry are reading about contactless commerce. What, what exactly is contactless commerce? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and that's something we should definitely start out and get everybody on the same page. So contactless commerce generally has referred to uh, the bottom portion of the funnel where fulfillment comes into play. And there's different solutions in that area, like the curbside pickup. And, right, okay. Right, the, lock, the lockers, like Amazon lockers, those were a big thing for a while. Um, but when we, when we look at contactless commerce and, you know, kind of uh, stepping up another 10,000 feet from just fulfillment, and we start to think about uh, content discovery, product discovery, self-service, uh, in-store kiosks, these oh, are okay. all components that are really taking the human interaction, like virtually removing it and allowing consumers to uh, learn and find and receive goods from a business uh, virtually without any human interaction. And, and, and that's not only for consumers, but also for businesses. Right. So this is a, a big B2B play as well. Yeah, so it's not, you know, I guess even going into this for me, I thought of it more as kind of the the execution por- uh, point of the sale of of now I can, you know, kind of complete the transaction. But but it's it's interesting that it is more along that entire kind of path to purchase of of alternatives to having that kind of face to face interaction. Yeah, we noticed this really taking off and, and being a big priority uh, as a result, obviously, of the pandemic. So sure. uh, as, as stores were shuttering their doors, it was just a matter of time where we said, how do we create that in-store experience online? And that's essentially removing right the, the interaction with the store associate, but figuring out digital ways to, to still give the consumers what they're looking for. And uh, so obviously in the last 18 months, I mean, you know, we've certainly anecdotally and empirically kind of uh, kind of felt this from the retailers in our sector that, uh, you know, are doing things like implementing curbside pickup and 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 looking for alternative ways to interact with their customers. Um, uh, let me ask you this kind of from the technology standpoint in, in a business like home improvement that, that a lot of times is kind of service intensive does do the developments and kind of the advancements in technology are there ways to really kind of replace some of that or or augment in some ways that kind of customer service experience can you still kind of create that and fulfill those consumer needs but do so in kind of a in a technologically advanced sort of way that limits contact yeah absolutely so think about you know, it's uh, coming up to the holidays and from a home improvement perspective, I think bathroom remodels are top of mind. So 
if you go into a, a hardware store and you talk to the store associate that you're looking for like a new bathroom vanity, they're going to walk you over there. They'll show you the selection and then they're going to start to talk to you about, you know, are, do you need a new P-trap and how right. about the faucet and, and the feed lines and all of those things that um, you would traditionally not expect to be able to incorporate in the online experience. But between recommendations and uh, the DIY content that a lot of these home improvement stores have, um, as you introduce that based on the context of understanding what they're looking to do, what their project is, you can really start to pipe in that in-store okay. experience online. Um and you know, you also mentioned that 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 some of this experience could take place in the store, like self checkout and so on. Is that is that something that uh, I mean? I've certainly noticed during the pandemic, but prior to that, the things like self checkout. Um, I mean, I even just came out of a restaurant earlier today, a fast food restaurant that has the kiosks inside that really kind of limit the contact you're having with the person behind the counter. Is that something? that is also kind of continuing a growth pattern? Yeah, I would say continuing growth. And I haven't seen it take off entirely in home improvement yet. Sure. I expect yeah. it to. When you're in, uh, there's certain warehouse retailers and apparel retailers who have introduced the, the notion of the kiosk where you can shop the entire catalog. And if it's not in that store, you can order it right there from the kiosk. And so I think we'll start to see more of that in home improvement and uh, what I really love, too, is how we're introducing the ability to, to shop the store at like an aisle level, right? Yeah. So yeah. if you're in a store and you're not seeing an associate nearby, you can pull up the website, type in what you're looking for. It'll take you there. Um, you know, this is really just the beginning of, OK, now you're in this aisle. Should we ping you with a deal on another product that's right. nearby? Right. There's lots of opportunity there. Well, and I've seen some stores, I think Target does this pretty notably, is that they use that kind of true omni-channel, if you will, integration to to really assist with wayfinding in the store where mm -hmm. you could type in a product and it'll say, oh, yes, we're in stock with this product and it's in aisle 13, shelf A1 or whatever, and it really takes you exactly to where that product is. Now, I mean, my experience with that has been it's it's at this point perhaps an imperfect science because mm -hmm. someone could have moved the item or they could have thought they had stock but didn't. But it's certainly a, a, a great illustration, I think, of how the in-store experience can work together with this kind of where you would formally have to approach an employee and and have a discussion and interaction with them to, to find your way to that product. Mm -hmm. Um one of the things that, you know, everything we're talked about to this point is rooted to some degree in technology. And I know for a lot of folks, technology can be a, you know, really daunting and the concept of, of, well, this is all great and it's stuff that you read about or see stories about or listen to podcasts about, but I don't know that I have the level of sophisticated sophistication in my operation technologically to implement this kind of thing. Is that something that's changing to the, the, the need to have a sophistication level and technology to be able to implement these kind of things? Yes, yes, absolutely. And the beauty of it is we've software companies have been working on the software in this space for years, right? It's, it's this recent acceleration that's bringing it to light. And so yeah. Uh, there, there should be confidence that 
Uh, it's been figured out that we're in a stage now of essentially democratizing the technology. So you don't need an army of data scientists to <laughs> implement some machine learning to to help accelerate that path to purchase. It's 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 now finally it's not just for the Amazons of the world, but your regional hardware retailers are able to leverage these technologies, and it's it's not as scary as you think it would be. And do you think that's a direction you see it going? I mean, do you think that the you know suburban hardware store, this kind of uh, technological implementation of 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 limited contact commerce is is something that are we talking? It's here now. It's eighteen months away. It's twenty four months away. Or, or or what do you think? Yeah, there are platforms out there that today can service that okay. market. And I think what we'll see is that they're going to want to put everybody into a box, right? And and have it be a, a relatively structured uh, relationship with the, okay. the date, like the data and the technology and things like that. And what I think is the exciting part is. Within the next two years, we'll see uh, the evolution of the like the lower end of the market having access to the more sophisticated things even more so, and and then allowing them to have flexibility with it. Which you know everybody says we have our own business, we have unique customers, and we want to make right. sure we have a technology platform that fits that. So um, bringing that flexibility down uh, market is is on its way. Well, I, I would definitely have to agree with you. I, I know some of the research that we recently did uh, about midway into the pandemic, about four or five months into the pandemic, we had uh, surveyed retailers and found that in this industry at that point, I think it was like 72% had integrated some sort of curbside pickup for products. Now, obviously, that was out of necessity, and 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 it was done in a variety of ways. Some people were doing it call the store, tell us what you need. We'll have an employee run and pick it off the shelf. But other retailers said, no, we've got to figure out some way to automate this and link this to our e-commerce. In a recent study we did, it said that I believe it was 86% of, and these are independent hardware home improvement retailers, said that they're looking at, at, at continuing and, and, and if they don't offer offering curbside pickup going into next year. So, uh, you know, I've often said on this program and elsewhere that the pandemic was kind of like this trend accelerator and, and, and curbside pickup is a great example of, you know, again, I hesitate to say contactless commerce because there is, could be some contact there, but it's certainly limited. And, and so I guess the point I'm trying to make is uh, to echo what yours, this is something that's real now. It's not Mm -hmm. something that's kind of sci-fi 20 years down the line line might happen. This is something you guys, you guys are working with all kinds of retail customers, helping them make this happen. Yeah, absolutely. And and it even goes beyond the the curbside portion of it and and sticking still on the fulfillment theme. Think about chip from store. Uh, That that is becoming uh, a very big trend now. And, you know, I think uh, different industry, but there's uh, quotes about Best Buy uh, carving up square right. footage so that they can facilitate that and shifting some of their store associates in that direction. Because you have the products that are appropriate for that region. You have uh, associates who have downtime who can pick, pack, and ship those products. And the proximity to the end user is is quite close. So um, there's even the, the notion of this last mile delivery and introducing 
companies like DoorDash or Uber. All right. Right. When yeah. you think about um, contactless, this could be order it online, have it at my doorstep in an hour or two, and I don't have to interrupt the project that I'm working on at the house. Uh, so there's there's lots of innovation and and uh, more options coming consumers' ways. Well, and, and what you just mentioned has been another one of those things that's always been kind of one of the barriers to entry for the smaller retailers was the ability to say, well, I understand that you know Amazon can get you stuff next day or they might in some markets be able to get you stuff in two hours, but I can't really do that. But as, as we've seen these, these services, like you just mentioned, uh, DoorDash or Uber Eats or other things that Uber's doing right now to kind of, to kind of outsource that last mile delivery, it, could, it, it really provides another link in the solution for the smaller retail operators to be able to say, oh, well, no, now there are solutions out there that I can, I can offer these kind of services to my customers and, and there's an easy way to spool out and handle that kind of last mile delivery. Yeah, yeah, this is, uh, I think what we'll see, uh, prob- maybe a little bit through this holiday, but probably shortly thereafter is a lot of growth in that space. I'm uh, just thinking about uh, now that everybody's hooked from last holiday on yeah. e-commerce, uh, we're gonna reinforce it this year. And on the heels of it, it'll be um, really just the the normal. Well, absolutely. You know, and I I travel quite a bit. So I use services like Uber a lot. And I just I've been inundated in the last couple months with things from Uber about now you can get your groceries from Uber. Now you can do these other things through Uber. And, And 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 again, I guess I'm trying to underscore that this stuff is happening at such a rapid pace that if you're running a retail operation, really, no matter the size, one is this, this isn't something that is inaccessible to you, but two, it's something that you really need to be aware of because it's a, it's all upon us. And, and mm-hmm. you can't just kind of stick your head in the sand and say, oh, this is science fiction stuff. That's not going to happen in my market, or it's not going to happen 10 or 20 years down the road. Um, what would you say are kind of the key things if a retailer is considering what other ways can I kind of streamline some contactless commerce options for my business? What are the key things that they need to kind of consider as they're going down that kind of pathway or down that thought process? Yeah, the one thing that we find when talking to prospects or customers uh, after we've been in there for a while is, wow, we didn't realize the breadth of the, the impact that this is going to have on our business. So um, obviously, from a revenue perspective, but think about the different stakeholders who are involved in the decision-making process. When you are moving to more of a commerce-first mentality and shifting those experiences to these digital touch points, uh, you're touching marketing, you're touching yeah. your product data management, your creative, your merchandising, your user experience. There's lots of stakeholders who are involved, and I think that's one thing that tends to get overlooked in the beginning and then it ends up, you know, making these projects a little bit harder. But if the more people who are involved in the beginning uh, is really, really positive. Because it will touch just about every corner of your business. So everybody Mm -hmm. at least needs to be aware of, of how that can happen. Mm -hmm. For for retailers that go down this path and begin looking at the options and implementing. So what are the kind of benefits that you guys see coming about from their operation? What are they hearing from consumers? What what, what 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 kind of doors is it opening up for them? Yeah, usually, wow, that was easy. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, that's what we love to hear. But 
Uh, at the end of the day, it's so from a business perspective, you're going to get higher order throughput. You're going to have a decreased cost in your order prop, your order processing. Uh, buy online, pick up in store. We know it's proven across every retailer's implemented it that once you get people in store to pick up their product, they're going to buy something else. So your average order value goes up. The lifetime yeah, sure. value of the customer goes up. Um, and then it's at the end of the day, it's about a convenience factor. And this is what Amazon has been hammering into us over the last 10 years is, you know, from uh, two day delivery to two hour de delivery to, you know, it's yeah. practically dropped in a drone in 10 minutes. Um, the convenience factor, everybody's expectations are really high. And so now is the opportunity for us to up level some of the smaller businesses or, or regional markets to to compete. And and it's it's. It's here today, so it's it's not like we need to wait another decade uh, to get there. Well, and, and I think you hit on another theme that's so important to the listeners of this podcast. Um, you know, independent retailers in this segment of the industry for so long have one of their points of difference. One of their um, value propositions is always around convenience. Mm -hmm. It's around we're more convenient to shop than the big boxes. But what Amazon's done and what you were just outlining has really changed that definition of convenience. And so convenience doesn't just mean I have a smaller parking lot and I have someone that can help you when you come into the store anymore. It means, well, now I can order it from my phone and have you put it in my trunk as I drive through or, or, or order it and have it, as we talked about earlier, brought to my door in two hours. Mm -hmm. And so that's why, you know, one of the reasons we wanted to get you guys on our program and I'll also point out that we talk more about this concept in the October issue of Hardware Retailing Magazine, where you guys also, uh, we appreciate you guys giving us time for some interviews in that magazine, uh, talking a little bit more about this concept and actually talking to retailers uh, in this industry who, who are going down this road and who are implementing these kind of things. Um, uh, one thing I wanted to touch on was something you, 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 you started to go uh, down the road a little bit with, and is the concept of return on investment. Is this, is this financially prohibitive for a small to mid-sized retailer to go down the road with, or it, it, what kind of return on investment, you know, can they expect, um, you know, cause I think that would be another barrier to entry that a lot of a lot of small to mid-sized retailers are probably like, I don't know, you know, can I afford this kind of investment? And if I can afford it, when, how can I expect to make that back in terms of customer loyalty or, 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 or transactions? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I remember I started this uh, conversation with uh, expanding the concept of this contactless commerce. And so we're not always just focused on the fulfillment side of it. Our, sure. our business model is also is primarily focused on this product and content discovery and how can we make your website be a place that customers are going to come to find what they're looking for and check out. And that's, that's really the, the focus that we have when it comes to an ROI and uh, recent stats that we've had in, uh, in the hardware space has been when, when we're talking investments into the, these product discovery technologies is upwards of 10 to 15 X. And so uh, when you think oh, about okay. like the impact that you're being, you're able to bring um, if it's, you know, a hundred thousand dollars here or there, uh, we're talking significant returns on that. And then that's a year after year after year kind of thing. So um, yeah, that's specifically where, where our, our data is focused. Um, 
yeah. when it comes to some of the fulfillment sides of things, there's there are strong numbers that, that might be a little bit less because um, that may not be the most uh, convincing part of an experience, right? It's it's finding sure. what you need and getting the right price and things like that, but fulfillment is a component of it. And so we, okay. we do see having those fulfillment options give a little bit of an extra bump, uh, but oftentimes if, if they're that far down the funnel, uh, they do tend to close anyways. So, but you do, uh, I, I mean, I guess one of the reasons you guys are kind of uh, working this uh, 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 program and also, mm-hmm. um, you know, involved in this industry is because it is something that is attainable for those small to mid-sized companies and, and, and something that they realistically can kind of look at and set as a goal for someplace that they might want to get in relatively short order. Yeah, absolutely. There's... And when we talk about democratizing this technology, there's there's now this concept of these like pointed solution or packaged business capabilities. We sometimes refer to them. And so if if there is a sense of overwhelming um, work ahead of you that or you're daunted by it, find a find a pain point and, and come and talk to us about it. We have pointed solutions that. Can resolve those, and you know you add okay. up one of the, you know one and one after the other, and then we start to have built this larger ecosystem of customer experience that um, is really getting shoppers through the the funnel faster. Garrett, what would you say, kind of just to close out here our discussion? What do you think is the biggest kind of misconception that you see people on the retail side might have about kind of getting involved with this this general general evolution that we're seeing towards contactless commerce yeah there's there's two things one uh is that you need an army to implement it and and the answer to that is no we are we're beyond that stage we've made this much easier but the second and and probably more important that i think is relevant for your audience is there's a, a misconception that we just become a transactional interface and yeah when people aren't in the store and having those conversations and interacting with people who live in their community, um, we start to lose that sense of loyalty. And and that can be a point of concern when you're talking about uh, just becoming a transactional interface because then they're sure. just going to go to Amazon or any of these other guys. And so right. the, the, the thread that I want to pull on with this is uh, moving from these human interactions to digital touch points and interactions and, and becoming contactless is we're not losing touch points. We're just taking them from working with one associate to now literally tracking those as digital signals. And every click and search and add to cart is an indication back to your business that we can aggregate that data and derive insights out of it and figure out ways to talk to your customers in a really personalized way. And I think that's a strong uh, thread to pull on when we think about moving in this direction and still trying to have that personal touch to them. Well, and I'm really glad you brought that up because I know that is a concern of, of in, in a business uh, where we're dealing with these independent family businesses that so much of their brand is tied up in, you know, our, our look and our feel and, and, and our service and our position in the community that there is a concern over if I commoditize all that and boil it down to click on this and have it delivered, that you would lose what makes you different. And, and 
And it's refreshing to hear that that's not necessarily the reality of the situation, that there are there are certainly ways to get that to come through without without just kind of, as you said, kind of uh, distilling everything down to the lowest common denominator of just fulfilling a transaction. Yeah, there's institutional knowledge in every associate and there's local knowledge and there's there's information that we need to start extracting and getting on paper or type, you know, getting it into the computer sure. and introducing it to your shoppers throughout their shopping journey. And that those are the differentiators that nobody's going to be able to compete with you on, that you can bring that into, you know, right, when they're looking at a, a sink replacement is what are the things you need to look out for so you don't have to come back to us in four hours because you forgot to get a part. And, and documenting those projects and then introducing those to your, to your consumers at the right times and those digital touch points. Yeah. And and, and again, I think that's a, a good thought to close on because this is this is something that the, the pandemic has hastened the emergence of this. It is upon us. It is accessible to retailers of all sizes. And you're not giving up your personality and feel to go down this road. In fact, you can you could look at this as an opportunity to augment that. Um, Garrett, how would someone learn more about LucidWorks? What, what, t- tell us where, where they could go to learn a little bit more about what you guys do and how you might be able to help retailers in this regard. Yeah, absolutely. LucidWorks.com, I would say, is the first uh, place to stop. We have a beautiful rebranding and just launched our new website. So uh, hopefully everything's easy to find there. That's a good place to start. But I'd also recommend uh, going out and taking a look at the analysts in the technology industry. So there's the gardeners and the foresters. Those are good resources who do a lot of research uh, on the space. And uh, they're definitely good to understand, like, what are the like ways that I can help transform my business and, and beyond some of the things that I've talked about today. So you can start to get a really holistic picture. I'd say they're a good resource. But yeah, definitely lucidworks.com. And uh, if any of my contact and my email information is available, please reach out. We're always happy to chat. Well, thank you so much, Gary. And I also want to point out to all the listeners, just so you guys realize... Lucid Works is not a podcast sponsor. Um, they just volunteered their time to come on and talk about this really important topic. And um, they volunteered to help us with our articles in the magazine. And we certainly appreciate those insights. But they're very, uh, you know, they're, they're very much involved in just trying to get information out there to retailers who want to learn more about this. So, Garrett, thank you guys for being so uh, um so giving with uh, your time and, 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 and thank you for the interviews for the magazine and coming on the podcast. And we really think this is uh, such an important topic that our uh, retail constituents just need to know about because it's really impacting business now. So thank you for being so generous with you, your time and the, and the folks at Lucid Works. Yeah, no problem, Dan. We're happy to be here. And I could talk about this for hours and hours. So if uh, anybody wants to. Yeah, I know. Yeah. As we're talking, I was just thinking, oh, we could do a whole podcast on just this segment or just that segment. So maybe maybe we'll have you back in the future, Garrett. Uh, Again, I appreciate your time today. And thank you guys for all your insights. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. Are you ready to sell your business? There are a number of reasons why store owners might want to sell, and it can be daunting to figure out where to even start. 
Now you can advertise your business for sale with NHPA's Retail Marketplace. NHPA frequently receives inquiries to help retailers sell their businesses, so this marketplace gives store owners a cost-effective way to advertise their store to more than 40,000 retailers in the home improvement industry. The likelihood is much greater that a potential buyer for your business will be found amongst the people who are already in the industry, so you can connect with them here in the NHPA Retail Marketplace. Public and private listings are available, and to learn more or get your listing today, go to yournhpa.org backslash marketplace. That's your, Y-O-U-R, N-H-P-A dot org backslash marketplace.